Hello, this is Allison Carter, Occupational Therapist with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 97, part two of proprioception. In part one, I started the discussion about the differences between types of proprioceptive sensory processing. Today, I will get more into ways you can describe it to parents and other therapists who may, who may not be familiar with proprioception, and also talk about which types of activities to do with kids based on the different types of sensory processing areas. Before I get to that, let me remind you that you can support this show by doing a couple of different things. One of them is by purchasing CEUs of this show on my website at mymidwesttherapy.com. Not only does that help me out, but you also get the benefit of completing some of your license requirements. Look for the yellow Add to Cart buttons under Specific Episodes. You can also help by doing your online shopping using one of my Amazon links on my website. Finally, become a Patreon member and you will receive additional member-only benefits by joining. You can click the Patreon button on my website or just go to patreon.com and search for Milestones Podcast. First off, I want to recap on part one to give a little more clarity on the differences between the types of proprioceptive sensory processing. The first one, under-responsive, the brain responds less than expected to movement. They need additional stimulation in order to be ready to get moving. They might appear to be lazy, lethargic, or unmotivated. Over-responsive, the brain responds too much to movement. Any little movement can feel like a lot. They might appear unmotivated or feel fearful of moving. And the third type is sensory seeking. The brain wants more stimulation in order to be ready to move appropriately. These kids may move around a lot and attempt to get that stimulation. They might appear to be hyperactive or look like they're attention seeking. After recording part one, I realized I pretty much skipped over this one somehow. So because of this, I want to give a little more detail on proprioceptive seeking right now. In this situation, the kids need additional stretch or stimulation on their muscles and joints in order to communicate with their brain and be able to make their body feel calm. The under responders need additional stimulation too, but for a different reason. They need stimulation in order to get moving or to get going. The seekers need stimulation to help their bodies calm down or settle down enough to be able to pay attention or be ready for participating and learning. These are often kiddos that move a lot on their own. They may seem to be constantly moving, which is why people think they're hyperactive. When in reality, they are instinctively trying to get the stimulation their body is craving. Of course, some kids may also have issues with hyperactivity that could be compounding their need for seeking out stimulation. The problem is, from a sensory perspective, especially with younger kids, they are not able to get enough stimulation on their own in order to get their needs met so they can feel calm. They don't always know what type of stimulation or pressure or activity 
or the intensity and duration of the stimulation that will benefit them and actually get the amount their body needs in order to feel calm. This is where we can step in and help. I will talk about all three of these types of proprioceptive processing in more detail in just a few minutes. But first, as the OT on your early intervention team, you may be asked the same question that I get asked by the other team members, which is, how would you explain or describe proprioception to parents? We can understand it from talking about sensory processing so much, reading about it and thinking about it, but for parents who have never heard of these things before, it can be pretty difficult to understand what we're talking about. It can also be difficult to explain it to parents too, especially trying to use terms that are descriptive enough that they can get the gist of it without necessarily needing to take specific classes on the subject. So when another therapist asked me how to explain proprioception to parents, my answer is something like this. I like to explain it as it relates to their own child as much as possible. It makes more sense to people when we talk about sensory processing in ways that relates to their individual situation. So I try to focus on the parts of proprioception that are specific to their child. Things that describe what their child does or things that the parents have described to me about their child. For example, when the parent says their child likes to get behind them on the couch and thinks it's great when they smash them by leaning back and squishing them into the back of the couch. This is one great example of their child seeking out the proprioceptive input. The pressure on their muscles and joints helps them feel their body. So when the child is finding ways to have you squish or smash them, or if they like to get big squeezes or hugs, if they love to pile blankets on themselves, if they like roughhousing or wrestling around with their siblings, all of these are examples of a child that may be seeking additional proprioceptive input. I would say to parents, the child is doing these things because it makes their body feel good and it may make them feel calm or settled after doing it. Generally, most parents that I talk to, they don't really want to know the exact mechanisms of the stretch in the joints and muscles and how this sends signals to the brain and so on. They usually just want me to tell them, what does this mean for their child? Why does their child do these certain things and what can they, as the parents, do about it? I may say something like, doing those activities that gives them deep pressure makes them feel better and it may help them feel calm for a little while. Activities where they are using their muscles actively, like for jumping, pushing and pulling things, crawling, where they are weight-bearing through their arms and legs, and where heavier objects are giving them pressure on their body. All these things are giving them the sensory stimulation that they need to feel okay or good or calm. I think calm is one of the best descriptors for kids who are seeking proprioceptive input because a lot of people see these kids as being kind of hyper or at least being very active kids. So using the descriptor of calm is usually something people can relate to. 
since this is something they often think these kids need to do. Kids that fall into the over-responsive proprioceptive description tend to benefit from these calming, weight-bearing, and deep pressure activities also, but in a different way. For them, these activities can help to calm their senses down or calm down their sensitivities and help them to not overreact when moving around their environment. Using deep pressure and weight-bearing activities with them can help make their senses, I guess, relax in a way so that every time something touches them during that moment, it may not be offensive to them because their senses are able to react at a more appropriate level or a more tolerable level for them. Instead of overreacting to any little movement or bump into something. For kids that are under-responsive, to proprioceptive input. I usually talk to parents about this from the perspective that doing the weight-bearing activities can help their child become more alert. So get their body ready to pay attention. It can be stimulating for them because the pressure gives their child the ability to feel their body and it will help them figure out where their body is in relation to other people and objects in the room. I find it difficult to talk about this one without including vestibular activities. The reason is deep pressure, like using weighted objects, can give the child input, but it can also have that calming effect, like with the kiddos that are sensory seeking. This is not what we want to accomplish with a child who is under responsive. This child is already calm enough. They are a child that needs more alerting and stimulating input to have body awareness and to have the ability to get up and go. So when you combine some type of vestibular head-moving activity with a proprioceptive weight-bearing activity, this can be more stimulating for an under-responsive child than using something like a weighted lap pad, for example. Before I get into more details about that, I wanted to go over each of the three descriptions of proprioception in a less scientific way or therapist-speaking way. This may help you remember each of the, I guess you call them categories, under-responsive, sensory-seeking, and over-responsive. When I think about each of these, certain things come to my mind, and I wanted to share those with you so it may help you conceptualize each one. For kids who are under-responsive to proprioceptive sensory processing, I tend to think of these kiddos as generally oblivious to objects or people around them. They bounce off the walls without noticing or acknowledging it at all. They fall down a lot, they don't notice, they bump into other people, they don't notice, they run into the fridge, they don't notice. I might give this category the title pinball dream walker because they literally bump into obstacles and seem to have no concept of doing it. You can pretty much look at them and think, you have no idea where your body is right now. In reality, it's really not safe sometimes. They aren't seeking it out and they aren't fearful and avoiding it. They don't even know it's there, it being any object or person in the room with them. The next category of kids who are seeking proprioceptive input, 
I give them the title Adventure Seeker, or I might describe them as the bull in a china closet. This child may bump into the walls too, but they are purposefully trying to do it. Then they laugh when they are successful at it, and then probably repeat doing it at least one more time. These kids look for things to bounce off of, fall down on, and pile up on top of themselves. They will someday probably love being the middle of a mosh pit at a rock concert. Parents often report that their gross motor skills are really good. They may even exceed gross motor skills for their age. Finally, the kids who are over-responsive to proprioceptive input, I would give them the title of cautious observer. They may be content to just sit and play or observe what everyone else is doing. They seem interested and are attentive but probably can't be convinced to get going. When they are up and moving around, they probably prefer to keep their feet on solid ground as much as possible. You can think about how we discuss situations where kids have gravitational insecurity. Well, this is one example where we will likely see that. Trying to get them to swing or jump may seem like we're asking them to go skydiving from an airplane. No way are they even thinking about it. Hopefully this helps you get a better grasp on each of these and might give you another way to try and help remember them. So now I want to go over some ideas for deep pressure, weight-bearing, and heavy work activities that can be used to help kiddos with proprioception. I've touched on some of these, but I want to lay them out more specifically for you. So I'm going to categorize these activities in two ways, because this is how we tend to think about it. First, I will go over the calming activities, and then I will talk about activities which would do the opposite of that and are considered to be alerting or stimulating. There will be some overlap in these activities between the different types of proprioceptive processing. Basically, some activities will be calming for certain people, but they might be stimulating or alerting for other people. I will try to explain how that is possible as I go along. Starting with the calming activities, these are generally activities that involve deep pressure. Not just deep pressure, though. Usually a constant or sustained deep pressure. Now, deep pressure can be achieved both from heavy or weighted objects and objects that provide compression. The deep pressure happens on the muscles and in the joints. Just like how proprioceptive information is recognized by the body and the brain. This is the same way or the same places we want to provide additional sensory input to in order to meet the sensory needs of this individual. Some of the sensory input will consist of active movements by the person and some will be passive. With active movements, the person may achieve the sensory stimulation by using their muscles and joints to actively move themselves in specific ways that will benefit them the most by giving them the correct type of input their body needs. Active movements are things like crawling on their hands and knees, animal walking, like bear crawling or crab walking, or things like those, 
wheelbarrow walking on their hands while someone else might have to support their lower body. Other activities might be pushing a weighted box or other object across the room, pushing their friend on a swing, doing cartwheels or somersaults, any jumping activities, squeezing Play-Doh, hammering things, ride-on toys or pedaling bikes. These motions give the person joint compressions, so it means their joints are being squished together. For example, the ball and socket joints in their shoulders, the head of the humerus pushes toward the glenoid cavity of the scapula. This includes the tendons, ligaments, cartilage, labrum, and bursa that are in the joint and the muscles that are connected to them. The ball and socket joint at the hips. Same thing with the head of the femur and the pelvic acetabulum squishing towards each other. But even the other joints in their upper and lower extremities that aren't ball and sockets, but it's the same concept, where the bones on either side of the joint space are pushing towards each other, giving that pressure in the joint space area. This is what we're talking about when we use the term deep pressure. We're still, we still getting active pressure in the muscles that are being used to do these activities also, not just the joints. The next few ideas are still active movements, but instead of pressure, they are giving a stretch in the joints. So hanging from a bar, like a horizontal pull-up bar that you might see at playgrounds or in gyms, they can hang from these bars with their hands. Just hanging is good proprioception, but also if they hold on and swing their body back and forth, or they try to do pull-ups or chin-ups, tug-of-war games, pulling a rope, hula hoop, or anything like that. Any other type of pulling activity, for example, pulling their friend in a wagon, pulling a heavy laundry basket across the floor, pulling on stretchy bands or exercise therabands, or passively where the person doesn't necessarily move around, but the weight is applied to their body in a way that provides the deep pressure or stretch to their muscles and joints by laying over their body or applying pressure on their shoulders and back with something like a backpack. Weighted objects would be things such as the obvious, weighted blankets or weighted lap pads, a weighted ball or stuffed animal, or just a backpack with a heavy object inside. Sometimes we might use wrist or ankle weights that can Velcro on their arm or leg for the little ones, we aren't going to be using adult weights, of course. They make very lightweight ones that are even just a quarter pound, a half pound, or one pound. We're not trying to make them little bodybuilders. The point is not to help them build large biceps. We're just trying to add a small amount of weight to give sensory input. These don't have to go on their arms and legs. They could also go around their waist, or they can just carry them across the room or around the room for some type of activity. There are weighted bean bags you could use, not only for throwing, but also just to add to their backpack or add to an object they might push across the floor. Get creative on this. I've used a long sock and filled it with a rice or pinto beans even. It, just, it doesn't have to be official or pretty to be effective. I've used 
varying size bags of rice and added them to carts, crates, boxes, bags, whatever is around their house or is fairly cheap and easy to get a hold of can work just as well as something that is labeled sensory therapy and costs a lot more than people want to pay. Those travel neck pillows sometimes work for things. Some are already slightly weighted or heavy just in how they're naturally made. And some you can simply unzip the cover and add beans or rice or whatever to it that way. I wanted to mention also that when I talk about heavy objects or weighted objects, I'm talking about objects that would be perceived as being a little heavy for the size of the person who would be using them. Keep this in mind because we don't always think to explain this to parents. Two pounds may not feel heavy to you, but for a child it might. We also need to explain that we are not using the weighted objects to wear the kids out. Since some of these kiddos appear to be hyperactive, parents think we are suggesting these things in order, in order to make their kid tired so they will slow down. That is not the purpose of using weight. The purpose is to give appropriate input to their bodies in appropriate ways so their sensory system will respond. And yes, it may appear that they have been worn down and are now tired, but what has actually happened, hopefully, is that their sensory needs have temporarily been met. We can also achieve deep pressure other ways, such as sensory brushing, using a brushing protocol with joint compressions, simply doing some infant or child massage. This can be incorporated into routines pretty easily if they do it before getting dressed in the morning or after bath time, close to bedtime, or any time in between would also work. Applying lotion to their arms, legs, back, hands, and feet with a little extra pressure on those areas while doing it can give some beneficial sensory stimulation. Using vibration can give added stimulation to their muscles in a passive way also. This may be from a vibrating toothbrush or from a stuffed animal or toy that vibrates or a handheld massager. These things I try to stock up on from Walmart or Bed Bath & Beyond during the Christmas shopping season because that's when I see them for sale the most. Larger deep pressure activities can be things like squishing their whole body between two couch cushions. You can have them roll on the floor like log rolling around the room so they, their whole body is making contact with the floor. Wearing tighter fitting clothing that can also fit into this section as well, or using a pressure vest or some other type of sensory pressure clothing. Sometimes just having their shoes on is good enough to give them the stimulation they need. Sometimes it's wearing a particular kind of hat. Uh, a lot of times we'll use a sensory box, like a box of beans or rice, or having a ball pit can provide deep pressure on larger areas of their body, or they can just put their hands or their feet in them. Now, I said some activities are calming, and I would say any of these activities I listed so far could be calming activities for some of these kids. And some of these activities could be considered alerting or stimulating for kiddos who are under-responsive to proprioception and need additional stimulation in order to get their body going. There is not a concrete way to label these because 
Every single person is unique. This is not cut and dry. I will say that generally speaking, the activities that could potentially be alerting for these kids that need it are the ones that involve active deep pressure and stretch on the joints and muscles of the body. Getting that extra input through pushing and pulling, jumping, hanging, and all of those types of things can potentially be alerting for some of these kids. They might also find vibration to be alerting or stimulating. A lot of times I will put one of those little handheld massagers into the box of beans, which will add even more stimulation to the activity when they put their hands or feet in the box. There are countless ways to get proprioceptive sensory needs met. No one could possibly ever list all of them. If you're working with a child who needs additional stimulation to get moving and you notice that they seem to be zoning out or their body starts relaxing and melting down into the floor when you're doing these activities, then that activity is not right for that child. You should start to see the child become more alert. They may make better eye contact. They may start vocalizing more. They may be able to move their body in a more coordinated way. All of these things would indicate that you have activated their proprioceptive system enough to get them going for that moment. It won't last forever. It may not even last 30 minutes. But in that moment, you have hit it correctly. On the other hand, if you have a child that is over-responsive and they're bouncing off the walls literally or are unaware of where their body is in space and you're doing a calming proprioceptive activity with them, but they continue to bounce around or appear hyperactive, they're talking excessively and not listening to you, you are not doing the right activity for them. That activity is not calming for them and you need to try something different. This should go without saying, but I will say it anyway. If you offer or the parent offers the child any proprioceptive activity and they're pushing away or resisting doing it, don't force the issue. Kids may not always know what activities will benefit them the most for their sensory needs, but they're pretty accurate at letting you know what does not work for them or at least what doesn't feel good to them in that moment. Sometimes they see an activity and think they won't like it, even though they haven't tried it yet. Still don't force it, but continue to offer it or make it available for when they are ready to explore it. The more something is presented, the more familiar it will become, and they may eventually feel comfortable enough with the new activity to give it a try. I'm going to go ahead and end there for today. I thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.